Hey folks, uh, just before we get started here on uh, this new episode of The Expanse, I uh, just want to let you know we did have a little bit of technical difficulties with uh, Jordan and his feed, and then uh, Trips wasn't able to make it to our actual meeting, so he just went ahead and recorded all of his answers, and that's going to go into his uh, introduction. So I hope you guys enjoyed even with a little bit of technical difficulty. Thanks. Computer, initialize Holosuite. to another episode of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, brought to you exclusively on Holosuite Media. I am Chris Hill, who has been with you on these last 39 weeks and continuing forward. Uh, today, we're going to get something a little bit different for you. We're going to introduce our new co-hosts slash co-lead with uh, Kyle departing with us. So... Go ahead and introduce the, the newest co-lead, and that's going to be uh, Perry Freeze. So, how you doing today, Perry? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, actually. Feeling pretty good right now, so hopefully that uh, stays true for the rest of the day. We'll see. Well, like I say, talk, talking about Star Trek and Star Trek Enterprise, that should just kind of make everything else, you know, kind of be like, ah, okay, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anytime I get to talk about Star Trek, of course, you know, it seems to perk me up just a little bit more. And, you know, depending on how long I get to talk about Star Trek, it definitely has the um, ability to ele elevate my mood. So I am definitely looking forward to uh, to this and many more conversations about uh, Enterprise and over overall, you know, Star Trek in general. Yeah. So yeah, de definitely say same here. Um, one of our other new co-hosts is going to be Jordan Brown. How you doing today, Jordan? Very excited to be here with you guys. I'm doing great. Sorry, I'm in, I'm in the car. Sir. Yeah, I guess yeah, like, like we told you guys. Yeah, unfortunately, Jordan is breaking up there on us. Okay, sorry about that. No, that's fine. That's fine. It happens. So, so, and uh, I can say, and also we we have uh, Chris Tribute. Eh, I know I'm going to butcher this every time. I'm just going to call him Tribs. You guys know know him from, from other places around the uh, Star Trek podcasting world. So, Like I said before the uh, start of the show, go ahead and take it away, Tribs. Hey all, it's Chris Tribuzio, affectionately known as Tribs amongst my friends and in the podcast community. I started watching Trek in my 30s, which I'm glad I did because the message uh, that Trek provided really stuck with me. If I would have watched it at an earlier age, I probably would have shrugged it off. But I think at the time of the world that was it, that it was in and my age made me understand and enjoy Trek even more. I've been podcasting about Star Trek on and off about a year or so. Uh, I've done guest spots for shows like Trek FM's Warp 5, The Edge, and postcards from the edge. 
And as of right now, as of this recording, I'm 47 episodes in on my own podcast called Mickey's Marvels, where we discover everything under the Disney umbrella, Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, all things encompassing Disney. Favorite Trek episode of all time is going to be Far Beyond the Stars. I think that truly envisions Gene's mantra of infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And it also has that underlying theme for me of the dreamer and the dream. And that let nobody or nothing stop you from achieving what you want in life. Favorite version of the theme song? Definitely the first season. I think the pacing of the music and the title sequences meld a lot more together and give it that much more meaning than versions later on. Favorite Enterprise episodes? I'm not one to put episodes concretely in order. I think it's more of what I'm in the mood for. There are so many in the 80 plus episodes that we get from the series. And I'm not going to tell you which one's which. You're going to have to find out. Stick around and listen. Favorite Enterprise character? I'm going to have to say Jonathan Archer. I think Jonathan Archer, to me, represents the viewer. The wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and wanting to explore not having any rules or regulations and just doing what they want to do. But I really think Jonathan Archer is my favorite character. Topic I'm looking forward to discussing most, Star Trek Enterprise. It can be anything. I'm really looking forward to diving in discussions about the series that I love so much, and I can't wait to do that. In closing, once again, I'll say thank you to Chris and Kyle. I look forward to discussing Star Trek Enterprise with my other co-hosts, Perry and Jordan and Chris. And uh, it's going to be a fun ride. And though there were no seatbelts even in the 22nd century, strap in, listeners. It's going to be a fun go. Now, just uh, before we get uh, get into our, our main topics of conversation today, uh, just want to uh, remind you guys to like, subscribe, and give us that wonderful five star rating on your podcatcher of choice. And as we've, as pretty much I've said when I've been hosting, you know, if you're driving, wait till you get to your destination and then do it. And yeah, I can say if you would like to uh, leave us a review. That definitely helps, especially if you give us anything less than a five, because that kind of helps us improve things. Um, but, you know, don't be like this was a this is a misleading podcast. It has nothing to do with the expanse. We kind of say up front that we're a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. And besides, the expanse comes from the season two finale of Star Trek Enterprise. Which was an excellent premise. Yes, yes. And uh, I'll go ahead and uh, leave you the details for our, our Patreon here. If 
If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash NX01 podcast to view our subscription tiers. Benefits of becoming a patron include earlier access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash NX01 podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode. All right, welcome back in. Uh, I, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get started with uh, Perry and uh, just kind of have him give his uh, history with Star Trek and a little bit about his background. Okay, so. Uh... Uh, sit back. I'll try not to make this too long-winded, but obviously being a 35-year-old man, my uh, uh, history with Star Trek is long and storied, as I like to think. I actually began watching Star Trek uh, very much on accident when I was a little kid. I, um, At the time, my mother used to work uh, nights, and we, you know, with going to school and then her being gone and everything else, we really didn't get to see each other uh, very much. You know, I was with like either family members were watching us, uh, you know, me and my siblings or, you know, daycares, babysitters, things like that. And, um, you know, one thing I just really like to do was stay up to see my mom when she finally came home. But, you know, little kids don't, you know, don't stay up very well, not without stimulus, distraction. And uh, one night, I just happened to turn on the TV, and there were these people running around uh, in these bright colored uniforms, and there were aliens, and there were flashy, you know, weapons, and I just was like, what is that, you know? And I just kept watching, and it was the only time I could ever catch it was late at night. Like, no matter what I did during the day, I could never find it. And the weird thing was, when I tried to describe it to people... They didn't know what I was talking about. And I guess because I, you know, I guess I was just so little that I guess my ability to uh, communicate wasn't that strong. Um, But I eventually figured it out. And that became the late night show that I would stay up and watch until my mom came home. And then when my mom came home one night, um, she saw that I was watching it and we talked about it and turned out she was actually a Star Trek fan and had been for years and just never told anybody, never really said anything. And so then it became, I would stay up and my mom would come home and we would watch Star Trek together. And that's really how I got into it. And so it was Star Trek. The next generation was the very first one that I ever watched. Um, then I started watching the original series with my mom. Cause that's the one she used to watch. And then, um, you know, it just kind of went from there and I didn't really pay much attention to the original uh, series uh, beyond when I watched it with her. But then my uncle bought me the old VHS box set of the six movies with the original crew in them. Mm-hmm. And I loved them. Like, I think that that's really what solidified my love of Trek was, was those movies. And I wore them out and it was the coolest little box set with the six uh, VHS tapes in it. And when you line them up, the outside of it was uh, the Enterprise A. 
and uh, I used yep. to love staring at that thing. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you where it is today, but I mean, like that was like a treasured collection for me for years. And um, it just kind of went on from there after, you know, Next Generation. Of course, I um, I, I was able to watch the premiere when of uh, Deep Space Nine when it first aired. First Star Trek I got to see in, in you know, real time, as it were, you know. Then, of course, Voyager and Enterprise, and I've even kept up with uh, the new ones, uh, Discovery, Picard, um, Lower Decks. Um, uh, even now, I'm kind of like the next, doing my own next generation bit with my daughter, and she loves Lower Decks. Um, and we watch that together all the time. So we're keeping the tradition alive of, of Star Trek fans in my family. Um, but yeah, I've just... I've just always had it in my life. I've always enjoyed it. I use it for a lot of different things. I constantly make references. I'm sure like you guys do as well. Um, in fact, I was online just last night and someone had posted one of those little, um, you know, instant quiz things. And it was for the characters from Sex and the City. It was like, are you a uh, Carrie or a... Uh, Cynthia, I guess, is another character. It like listed out the four of them, and then someone yeah. had put an X over it and said, "Nah, are you a Janeway, Kirk, Picard, or Cisco?" And I was like, "I get the <laughs> reference. Finally, got it." You know, and I was like, "Oh, but I'm always Cisco. Like, there's just I'm always Cisco." And of course, there were the the ones that came after. Oh, I'm a Burnham. I'm a Archer. I'm a uh, Pike. And I was like, "Yeah, but." They already specified which four, so you got to pick one of those. Like those are great captains, but you got to pick one of those. Um, um, but yeah, that's how I've always had Star Trek. All right, I say uh, I'll go ahead and ask you, Jordan. I, it's it's funny. I actually very similar experience to Perry in terms of my introduction to Star Trek um, at a very young age when my parents weren't around. Um, you know, it's it's ironic. I'm actually. I'm on my way to pick up my dad from the airport. I've only seen this man a handful of times. Um, he's never met my daughter and we're just trying to reconnect a little bit. But, um, you know, when I was a kid and, and my parents weren't around, uh, Star Trek was a huge comfort for me. And um, I, I have very similar experience as well. When I heard Perry talk about, you know, I saw these aliens and I saw these bright colored uniforms. Um, that's exactly what stuck out to me the very first time I saw it as well. And they were those hideous skin tight um, uniforms from like season one, season two, TNG. Um, and though by the time, by the time I really started watching Star Trek or became a big fan, um, TNG had been on the air for several years. Voyager was starting DS nine had started and, but TNG it was in such heavy, uh, it was in such, uh, it was in syndication and it was all over, you know, the channels at night and things like that. So that's mainly what I was able to watch with the channels that I got. I didn't really start to get um, into Voyager or DS9 until I was a little bit older. Mm -hmm. When I say older, I mean like eight, nine, things <laughs> like that. But like, yeah, you know, I started watching TNG at the age of four. I remember one time, um, you know, I crossed my legs like Picard and my uncle looked at me sideways and he was like, men don't cross their legs like that. <laughs> and I was like, you know, cause every, every, every mannerism, you know, every, 
everything that they were doing on that show I picked up on. And I'm very grateful for that because Star Trek was always a, a groundbreaking show in acceptance and, uh, and in, you know, not judging other people and other cultures, um, which I thought, which I was immersed in from a really young age when I started watching it. And so I, I came up like that. You know, I came up in this world where it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to be accepted. Um, and the, the characters that are in Star Trek were a huge part of making me feel that way. In particular, Jean-Luc Picard, um, who I looked up to, you know, for everything. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I'm sitting there at four years old, crossing my legs in the captain's chair, you know, in, in command of my room. Um, I used to have, you know, space battles, bridge battles, things like that. Yeah. It really fired up my imagination. And to this day, you know, my, my daughter, we we were watching Lower Decks last night. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's something that I'm happy to pass on to my daughter. Captain Janeway is her favorite captain. Oh, she she's probably going to love Prodigy then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. We're, we're waiting with bated breath for Prodigy. Um, so it's it's been a huge part of my life for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think I've said this before, you know, some people, some people, everyone has their strength. Everyone has something that they lean on, um, whether it's religion, faith, whatever kind, whatever it is. For me, it was always Star Trek. That's great. Yeah, yeah I guess I kind of go and go into spurring the imagination there. Um, in I think it was fifth grade, we had to do these writing projects, you know, short stories and stuff. And one of the ones I remember is I took over for Captain Kirk on the Enterprise, and we we had discovered actually these this alien life form on Venus, and I had befriended one of those, and he was kind of like my little buddy that went with me. I had a I had a similar writing experience in school, but mine was what would the prompt was uh, what would you do if an alien ship crash landed in your backyard? And so I changed mine, and it was, what would you do if the Enterprise crash-landed in your backyard? And um, <laughs> that, was, that was my whole story. It was all about going on the Enterprise and, and, and finding, you know, Worf and Data and trying to help them figure out how to get the ship back up into space and then convincing them at the end to take me with them, you know? So it's, um, it's amazing how that works, like how it, it, it is, like, a, like you said, something that you rely on, a good foundation um throughout your life for not just you know uh relaxing entertainment but just to help people get through tough times like yeah you know i can think of many times in my life when things were just super you know tough and i just felt like i couldn't get through it and then you know you find yourself watching a 10 hour you know personal mar marathon you know of, of the show and you feel so much better you know and even it doesn't have to be you know 10 hours of course i'm just saying you know you you watch a series of the episodes and before you know it you do feel better your outlook seems to be um mm -hmm. better and you're more willing to you know rise to those challenges because these these characters these heroes basically they do it all the time and um it was a great thing to reinforce that kind of mindset that you know hey with with intelligence teamwork and cooperation you can get anything done you can achieve anything and um i don't know if you guys have checked out any of the newer shows you know um discovery in particular but um i feel like they do that very well on, on the whole teamwork yeah. aspect especially promoting the fact that you know you need people you need to communicate with people in order to 
achieve greater success. You know, you can definitely be successful on your own, but there's something completely different about involving other people in, in your success. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that message. Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of, you know, going go to your, your point there, Perry, uh, my my deployment to Afghanistan, I was watching the 09 movie, I'd say probably about just about every night or every other night, just because it was the one thing Star Trek that I had had at that point, and that just kind of helped me get get through that deployment. Yeah, so. and that's, um, and in particular, you know, that's another thing I enjoy so much about uh, Enterprise is, you know, Enterprise gets a bad rap because it's, you know, people have this expectation of, you know, in a lot of ways of it being like the other, other Treks. And what people seem to forget is that the show is all about the foundation of the Star Trek that we later come to enjoy, you know? So of course there's a lot of bumbling. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty. And um, I think the biggest strength of Enterprise is it shows you, people who carry on in spite of that they don't have protocols for everything they don't have experience with every single alien species every situation every encounter there's not a group of people who who pop up and are like yes we've been through this before let us gladly show you how you know um it's very much these guys just figuring everything out on the fly and and moving through things and i think that was um, a great lesson and kind of an important lesson for Star Trek because, you know, a lot of times with Star Trek, especially especially Next Generation, we see officers who are at the top of their game. They're consummate professionals. Nothing phases them. They have moments where, you know, it's, the, it's more the surprise of the of the situation that catches them off guard, but they recover quickly and they move through it well. And enterprise is not that it's, we've never encountered this before. There's so much for us to consider. Let's make a decision. And then we hope like heck that it is the right decision that we've made. And I really enjoyed watching that on that show more than anything. You know, Archer is, he acknowledges openly that he is not perfect and he is trying his best to establish something not just for his crew, but for all the future Starfleet uh, personnel coming up behind him. And um, I, I just always really thought that was just great to see. I thought that was great um, writing. I thought that was a great direction for the show. And I really feel like they they just got cheated. Like, it ended far too soon. There was so much more that we could have got from them on that front. Definitely. I agree with so much of that. Um <laughs> I, what I liked about Archer is he was a little bit of a different archetype. You know, he was different. It, he was just different than all of the captains that we'd seen before. Mm-hmm. And he had some elements of each, but it was kind of a nice combination of all of them. You know, when um, when the Expanse, when that episode premiered, and then, you know, we moved into season three right after um, 9-11 had happened, you could really see like a change in his character. Yeah. He became a lot more I, I got a lot of cisco vibes from him when <laughs> yeah. i was watching them you know and then prior to that it was really like a kind of a hopeful young uh james kirk you know um but maybe a little bit older and and when we get to, when he gets to that episode where you look back at his academy days um where he's explaining to to paul after he loses his friend um you know how he how he came to be the first starfleet captain of the nx01 um 
I mean, you can really see his evolution as a, as a character. And I like, I like yeah. that he's so multifaceted. I think he's definitely the most multifaceted of, of all of the captains, to be honest. Oh yeah. You, you bring up, you bring up Cisco and you've got, you know, my, my brain just goes into overload. Um, I, I definitely see a lot of parallels between Archer and Cisco. I always have. And, yeah. you know, um, yeah, you're right. Like after the expanse and, you know, nine 11 and seeing that definite change in his character, there were a lot of um, people who wanted to talk about the connection, the parallels between Cisco and um, Archer. And a lot of times I found those conversations were to each captain's detriment, you know, it was, you know, Oh, he's becoming a darker loose cannon. He's reckless, uh, you know, things like that. And, um, I never felt that way about either of the captains. I think that, you know, the actions that they took were very much in line with some very key core aspects of their character. In particular, the fact that they were both uh, very protective of their families. You know, like Archer doesn't necessarily, I mean, as we see, he doesn't have any children. But, you know, he does have a very paternalistic view of his crew. And he also has a, you know, obviously a deep bond with his own father, who's now passed. And um, being the first set of humans to be traveling so far from Earth, of course, he feels like he's kind of, you know, um, the not just the ambassador, but kind of the father for the father figure for humanity and everybody's coming behind him. So when this attack happens, it's like, of course he is in this very dark, you know, whatever it takes mindset. You've hurt his family, you know, he's, he's going to come after you. And Cisco was very much the the same way. He was very hands-on with his, with his crew and his people. And obviously we get to see him as an actual father. The only true parent that we see in star trek you know and um to to watch as he did everything he could to protect the people that he loved i was just like you know you judge him to other people who would judge him i was just saying you know you you all judge him so harshly but what would you do what would you do if that was your son or daughter who was facing those things and you had the ability to help are you telling me you would just stand back and do nothing or that you would be you know, so still so calm and reserved. It's like, of, of course not. Like, I don't think there's right. anything that brings up a ferocity in humans quicker than when you hurt our family members. And um, again, something I really appreciated in Enterprise was seeing that, you know, we weren't watching as officers had to figure out a way to maneuver behind the rules. It was watching officers figure out ways to manage these deep feelings when there were no rules when they were the ones who were literally setting the rules setting those precedents and how do you move through this and we see a lot of that in archer and how he changes and he does start off very much going into the expanse looking for blood i mean i mean we watched him go into the expanse blowing up duras you know but then by Uh the time that we watched the overall story arc we see him change and while he's still very much about protecting humanity it also becomes about you know in in a weird way uh protecting the zindi it's like you guys you're blinded by your own self-interest you're not seeing that these people are using you and he becomes just as concerned for them in a lot of ways as he is for humanity and i just again i've i just really appreciate it. i i really feel like enterprise did not get its due here you know definitely so, yeah i, yeah. I just i completely agree i'm glad that you touched on that because 
Um, I think that's an often overlooked aspect of that season three. You know, some people talk about how it just turned dark all of a sudden, um, but there's definitely hope at the end. There's like how you react to situations and Archer's friendship with Degra, you know, and, and seeing that be cultivated and seeing him go from pretty much being hell bent on not revenge, but, you know, in his own words, getting in there and getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, to to you know hey this is this is bigger than earth this is this is about a future federation this is about the relations between our people um it's always a message that star trek's had but you know in that particular season there was so much going on that i think that's an often overlooked aspect of that season Mm -hmm. definitely all right so what's uh everyone's uh favorite episode of star trek like throughout all you know, 800, Ooh, 700, whatever man. episodes. Mm. I'll, I'll have Jordan go first because it looks like he's got he's got his answer right away. I don't. I just listed five <laughs> in my head. And I for you to ask me to pick one is probably one of the hardest things I've been asked to do in a while. <laughs> um, sorry, on the subject of Enterprise, I'm going to lead with E squared just since we're talking about Enterprise. I like that episode yeah. a lot. A lot of heart in that episode. Yeah, definitely. So I think when, when we get to that, I think we'll kind of have you do the the lead and all the editing and stuff for, for when we talk about it here coming up in a couple weeks. Oh yeah. I would love to, I'd love to take that on, man. Okay. All right, Perry. Have you got it narrowed down? Uh, no, but let's just go ahead and stick with, um, enterprise. Um, okay. One of my favorites and I, I there's a couple, there's several, but one of my favorites has got to be dead stop. And that's the episode where, you know, it's, it's the episode after the infamous, uh, minefield episode and they find that that space station that is so helpful in restoring the Enterprise you know and uh, just the insidious nature of that whole thing really disturbed me and it also didn't help that it was voiced by none other than Belana Torres herself and I instantly recognized her voice when I when I heard it and um yeah, but just the 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 implications of that space station is something that to this day just stands out in my head as like again a, a great example of untapped potential from Enterprise. But um, I I just I loved everything from the initial curiosity of the crew to uh, um, how things were working, the technology that we see evidenced by the space station, and ultimately you know how it how it works. You know the people that are literally the the brains behind the uh, whole outfit. I loved it, and um, it's still one that I talk about often in the way that I feel like it can work in other bits of Trek and how I hope that somewhere, somehow, other Trek shows circle back to it and, and everything. So, yeah, that that's a particular favorite. All right. When I found out that they expanded on that episode in the books, I went and got all of the books and read about them. Um, so I, I completely agree that episode. This very much untapped potential for Enterprise. Um, I would have loved to see them expand or revisit that that's that same species that built those stations in the show mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Um, great yeah. to have been able to learn what I did from the books because I thought the storylines in there were pretty good too. I have not I have not read these books, but in my own I guess headcanon fantasy. I've always thought that these there were multiples of these space stations, and that somehow, some way, they ultimately link back to the Borg. 
you know, and that was kind of like how the board gets started is they uh, set up these space stations that seem benevolent, but really what they're doing is capturing species and sampling them and building their technology from them. And that's how that kind of collective mind gets started is uh, all of these brains being linked together and uh, forming the first frame, the first frameworks of the, the collective hive mind, as we know it's referred to later on. So um, I don't know if any of that holds true in any of these books, but in my head, that's how it works out. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll find out because we, we, we will be getting to them eventually. So. Okay. I, actually, I'll have to go ahead and pick these books up so I can be prepared and be reading them. All right. So on to our favorite version of the uh, theme song. So three, three, three choices, three choices, seasons one and two, seasons three and four, or in a mirror darkly. Perry. Uh, yeah, of course the Enterprise theme song gets a lot of hate, but as I've said plenty of times, you may hate that theme song, but it's still our theme song. That is a Star Trek theme song. So it's going to have a special place in your heart, you know? Um, but my favorite version is of course the, first version the season one season two version i did not like that weird sped up rendition that they tried to give us at all and i i i'm gonna throw it out there before anybody says anything you know uh, don't hate me don't come after me i don't like mirror episodes of any of the tracks i don't like them okay. i've never liked them so yeah a mirror episode a mirror theme song just the worst idea. It's like capitalizing on an already bad idea to just give it that signature. This is terrible. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely the the original, the first uh, season version. You just you have to sing it, and even if you try to resist, I find that the harder you resist, the harder you ultimately end up singing the end of it. So you might as well just give in and enjoy the whole thing, and don't fight that urge to let that. Faith of the heart, rip, you know? Yeah. All right, Jordan, follow that one up. Uh, well, you know, I cut out for some of that, so I missed some of it, but I heard um, about the Mirror episodes, you know, not a fan, Perry, didn't no. like the intro. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, I was, I was pretty young when that came out, but I, those were some of my favorite episodes. To see them diverge so far from their characters... <laughs> Um, but yet still, but yet still have some similar traits, um, you know, and then the way the discovery expounded upon that, I, I think they took a lot of cues from Enterprise um, and, the, and the popularity of those episodes. I, I don't recall exactly, you know, in terms of numbers and viewership. Um, I know that the Mirror Universe episode in Enterprise took place during the last season. I think they actually found out while they were filming that episode that the show yeah. had been canceled. If I if I remember reading that correctly, that yep, that's correct. Yeah, and so if, by then, you know, Enterprise was already doomed. But I feel like there was a serious uptick in viewership after those episodes. I feel like there was a lot of interest after those episodes. Mm -hmm. It was it was fun, um, and so I I enjoyed those thoroughly. All right, now since since Perry and Jordan already did their favorite Enterprise episodes. We're we're gonna gonna ask you guys to do one that's not Enterprise and in the pale moonlight. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he couldn't get it out fast enough. <laughs> oh, couldn't get it out fast enough. Oh my gosh, he's he's 
That's okay. I can live with it. Voyager has to be my favorite of the series. It has like a special just connection for me, but in the pale moonlight is it's got to be one of the best Trek episodes, if not episodes of television I've ever Uh, seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I I have to I have to agree. Like I was gonna say in the pale might in the pale moonlight as well, but also a very very close second. And depending on where I'm at in my week, tops it is duet, uh, another early okay. uh, Deep Space Nine episode. Um, I love everything about it. I even love the backstory of the filming of the episode and about how you know they just didn't have the show hadn't reached the viewership it needed to get the funding that it needed. And so that episode is very much a stripped down because they just didn't have the money to do everything that they wanted to do. And the fact that it comes off so beautifully done for an episode that they were like worried about funding for um, just to me elevates the story. But definitely um, in the pale moonlight and duet are two of my absolute uh, favorite episodes of, of Trek. I just, I think that they're excellent, excellently done. They're portrayed well. The story is written well. The moods of the episodes are conveyed well. Um, I just, I feel like, man, if they were ever looking to like hold up pinnacles of Trek and be like, you guys need to be like this every time, those two episodes are it, man. They are, they are just great performances from everybody all around. I gotta say, I'll, I'll, I'll even throw in, uh, it's only a paper moon. That's oh yeah, group. yeah. Everyone right up there with those two. Yeah. Which one now? So, it's only a paper moon. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, you know, Deep Space Nine has a lot of them. Has a lot of great episodes. Mm-hmm. When I watched their documentary, the one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, they were set on a space station. They were they were stationary, and they had to, in some ways, in their storytelling, talk about the journey inside the inside the heart, the journey inside as yeah. opposed to the journey outside. And I thought, I'm, I can't remember who said that in the documentary. Uh, that really resonated. Jeffrey Combs. Yes, yes. Well, of course it was Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> the, the literal everyman of Star Trek, of course it was Jeffrey Combs. Yes. <laughs> um, I um, like, I think we all have favorite episodes of every single, uh, every single Trek, but I just think that Deep Space Nine really gives us uh, so much that the others really... Uh, build off of so well and I think that that's you'll probably see from me going forward I'll be bringing a lot of parallels from Enterprise and Deep Space Nine and how I feel like they they link together because I feel like both shows are criminally underrated and we just don't get um, they don't get the respect that they really deserve and then Enterprise just really just didn't get the time that it needed to develop and, and be really special like you can you can just see it there's so much untapped potential there um on that show uh i really wish it had gotten more than it did well we can we can finish out those those last three seasons so oh uh, yeah how, how how we would like it like it to go i'm i'm all for that yeah all for that <laughs> i got lots to say <laughs> i do i have lots to say <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, uh, on to your favorite character from Star Trek Enterprise. So, uh, Perry, I'll go ahead and go to you first. Okay. Um, well, I, Archer is—he's a definite favorite, and then I—I just—I'm so torn. Sometimes I don't. I guess this is just going to be my also my recurring theme is being torn between <laughs> things. But Archer is my definite favorite. I loved his his story arc, but also Doctor Flox because he. Mm-hmm. 
he is just so incredibly unique, not just to the ship, but also to Star Trek, you know, and he's so unassuming and there's just so much about him that they intentionally make over understated. And then when he does something, you're just like, wow, like he truly is alien. Like, I think that they were great with casting because, um, Billingsley does such a great job of coming off as strange, you know, but in a good way, you know, like he does it so well that I, I appreciate it. And, you know, this is the second time I feel like that Star Trek really tried to give us a character who was truly alien, like we hadn't seen before as a mainstay character. And I feel like their first attempt at this was a colossal flop. And that was Neelix. And we can get into that much later. But I feel like they do it. It's like they recognize their mistakes there and they do it so much better with Flox. And he is, he's, he's great. He's just great. Definitely. Jordan, how about you? How about you with your favorite? It has to be one of my favorite characters. Sorry, go ahead. Say again? No, No, say one. Yeah, yeah, it's your favorite. It's time for your favorite. Not from the South or anything, but I just found (laughs) him overall to be um, a competent engineer. Um, I love the storyline with Paul. He was, he, he, I don't know. He was just my favorite character. He he gave you that warm, you know, good feeling inside. Like if he was on the job, like everything was going to be all right. You know, he knew what he was doing. And, you know, as second officer of the enterprise, we saw him in command a couple of times. And I thought he did a really great job considering that he was an engineer. So I thought that that was special. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I love the yeah, friendship that they. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same, same here. Tri- Trip's one of my favorites too. So for me, my top two, it's it's Trip and Archer. So yeah, yeah. I was I was just getting ready to say they had a great friendship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was a, another one of those uh, excellent points that they made in um, again both Enterprise and Deep Space Nine with showing us that you can have a chain of command but you can also have close friendships with the people that you lead. Exactly. You know, uh, Enterprise is very much not that. Like, they have their friendships but Picard definitely stands out. Stands alone, you know, beyond like Beverly who's known him for forever so she gets a pass. But everybody else, you just don't you don't see that. Yeah. But, and then Cisco, you know, they kind of started him that way. His His one true friend being Dax, but you see his relationships with everybody else really, you know, blossom and come into their own. And he treats everybody with that same kind of level playing field. And there's, but there's also no question that when the time comes, you know, exactly who's in command and you know, that you're going to, yep. you're, who you're going to listen to. And I think Archer does the same thing. Like we see him being very personal with each member of the crew and he's very candid with them. But then, you know, when, when it's time to, you know, be in command and be the leader. There is no question. There is no question that they look directly to him on the bridge and they're going to follow his orders a hundred percent. And even if he was just laughing and joking with them and cutting up pineapple cake in the armory, you know, in one scene, the very next one, the very next one. Yeah. You know, the very next one, he can give him a dressing down and it's just a serious, so serious that they're afraid to move, you know? So, I mean, yeah. I, I loved seeing that and, Again, I just feel like they hit the nail on the head perfectly with so many things, and it just sucks that this show did not get the full run that it needed. Yeah, I mean, season four, when I look back on previous seasons now as an adult, as somebody who's rewatched them and whatnot, there are definitely some gems in the earlier seasons, but I felt like consistency-wise, like at the time of airing, season four was the best that it had been. Season four was the best that that show had gotten. Um, for me but and so for them to chop it off at the knees and then kind of 
add insult to injury by killing off my favorite character <laughs> you know um i feel and, like if they hadn't killed him off in that episode like it would still not be the best because the whole episode is a Riker holodeck episode but at the same time you know yeah why did you need to do that at the last episode i don't know um it served as a little bit of a of a springboard for some further development for archer you know when he reflects on their friendship and what he's lost and what it meant to him and everything but ultimately if they had kept him on uh, or just kept him alive i felt like that episode wouldn't have been such a gut punch yeah yeah you know and i think that the lesson that we're seeing learned from enterprise in other treks in particular discovery is the fact that you know they they are continuing despite people's grumblings about the show and its overall performance you know uh, discovery was met with a lot of hate and a lot of vitriol when it came out. Uh -huh. And, you know, there was this constant thread of, or seeming anyway, in, in a lot of the message boards and everything else, you know, that it was going to be canceled. That three seasons in, it was going to be canceled, you know, but um, it's still going. Kirsten's been fired three times. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Burnham is terrible. They're going to kill her the next episode. And, you know, all this, all this stuff, you know, but um, if anything, I feel like they learned and, and you know, was in the entering, in the intervening years anyway, since Enterprise ended was that, again, there's just a lot of untapped potential and there was just so much more they could have done. And now they're just kind of sticking with it. And it's like, no, we're not going to give you some weird rap party episode and, and shoehorn as much into there as possible. We're going to push through. And despite what you say negatively about the show, we're going to keep going and, and really go into development and i'm so glad to see that because yeah trek shows just in general i just feel like they just don't really hit their stride until after the fourth season you know voyager i think proves that exceptionally well like that show i feel mm -hmm. like it really did not understand itself until it's uh <laughs> into the middle of the fourth season and the fifth season you know deep space nine was was showing beginnings of getting it and then yeah by the fourth season it really took off way of the warrior is one of the best two-parter episodes i have ever seen uh once we got the bald cisco and his go yeah was you on. know once they once they got out of their actor's way and let them just go for it mm -hmm. you know um tng is the same way when they kind of stepped away from being so stiff and and i've heard that that might have had more to do with with Roddenberry's tight grip on, on things, anything else. Yeah. But, uh, you know, once they kind of let them move away from some of that and just kind of be themselves and live in these characters, the show really took off. And, and Patrick Stewart comes through for them so many times, so many times. And it's just, it's evident that, yeah, they just needed time. And it's again, you know, criminal that enterprise didn't get that. I couldn't agree it was really starting to hit its stride. I mean, the the episodes with the augments, those were all creative. Uh, Brent Spiner, seeing him back in action, I, I, I was giddy, oh, like, yeah. as a kid watching that. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was really hitting its stride. And it and it peaked for me with those mirror episodes. I know how you feel about those, Perry. Uh, <laughs> but, what, yeah. What, I mean, what, <laughs> what, we can save that conversation for another time. I have a reason for why I don't like yeah. that. Uh yeah okay yeah it's, it's not it's not just a blanket hate it's there there's something about them that I'm just like I, I just feel like it's a copy and that's <laughs> so. the one thing that Star Trek teaches man it teaches you to articulate your, yeah. your thoughts your opinions and articulate them well in a, in a way that you can actually communicate with others 
Um, and so I really, I want to hear that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, just remind me when we get there, because I will let you know. We will go down that rabbit hole together. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll probably just be on the sidelines letting you guys talk talk it out. (laughs) So uh, what all topics do you guys look forward to the most uh, to discuss? Especially with with our huge season three arc coming up. Go ahead, Jordan, if you want. Um, so I was I was gonna wait for you because I missed part of that breaking up um, a little bit. Okay, well, um, things I look forward to talking about are uh, definitely changes in relationship dynamics. Like there's just certain things I notice about crew members that really piqued my interest. Um, I want to talk about technology comparisons. You know, like what we what we start to see more and more of in like. The, the hunt for the Zindi and how they start to rely on different aspects of uh, technology. And um, I want to talk about the what we see as like the foundations of Trek being established as we go forward. You know, like Starfleet in particular, you know, like there's always this constant vague reference to what Starfleet's going to become. And um, I just want to see if anybody else picked up on some of that and kind of being like, you know, when you watch the episode and you hear them make a reference to something, you're like, uh-huh, we know that's going to be this in in the future, in, in TNG yeah. or in Deep Space Nine. We know that's, that's what that is, you know? And um, things like that that I really enjoy talking about. I guess it's like kind of the spotting the minutia and how it's we know that it's important later on. 100%. The, the, the look of Enterprise was so different than any show. Um, you know, I still remember the the UPN commercial before Cisco, Spock, and Kirk. The Enterprise saga began, <laughs> or the Star Trek saga began. Enterprise this fall on UPN, and thinking about how are they going to pull this off? You know, they're going to do a prequel and make it look like it was what before before the 1960s, before the original series when it premiered. But all, I mean, the way that they did it, it was impressive. The way that they explained yeah. um, things that we later saw and, you know, like Klingons without ridges and things like that. Again, with the Augment episodes. Um, I was so, I was thrilled. <laughs> um, so spotting the minutiae, like you said, like I, if, if you're a Star Trek fan, chances are you're good at spotting the minutiae because oh, Star yeah. Trek is all about that type of thing. You know, everything from, when Malcolm rigs up those little force field emitters and you're like, Oh, oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Great, yep. great call out. <laughs> great call out. Yeah. I saw that and I was just like, Oh, it's the thing. It's the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, and then when they, when they finally sync together and they made that classic sound, whenever something hit them, you know, you're just like, yes, force fields. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yep. In twilight, um, they have shields, you know, instead of the, um, instead of the armor plating that they normally have. I'm looking forward to talking about all of those things. Well, I look forward to it as well. I definitely can't wait to do the deep dives and, you know, the character breakdowns. That's like my favorite thing. So good. I got to touch on regeneration real quick. You know, like that was, that was another favorite of mine. And I love that they incorporated the first contact storyline in that. You know, the first encounter with the board was supposedly in uh, Sector J-19 or whatever, when Q flung the Enterprise into the path of that first Q, um, but it actually wasn't. (laughs) So learning about, you know, how how that movie affected the timeline and everything, and that there's there's this theory out there that the entire, you know, show of Enterprise is is based on that alternate timeline. Um, You know, the design of the ship, everything. 
Um, so I, it's really interesting how the writers left some some possibilities open with regard to those things and didn't answer all of our questions, you know, but definitely incorporated elements like that into their storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I say, yeah, we'll, we'll probably we might have to to revisit at least that one with with, with the new crew because uh, Kyle and I did talk about that previously. So oh, yeah, okay, I would definitely love to do that. Yeah, you know you. Uh, you brought up the whole sector, you know, J-19 with the Enterprise, uh, with Picard. And, you know, we were told that he, you know, Q flings them into the path of this uh, cube and that they're, you know, when they arrive in that sector, they're two years out from the nearest Federation base. And then, you know, if you think about it and you put together all the little breadcrumbs, you know, from, from Enterprise to Next Generation, ultimately to Voyager, we know that, you know, the Borg are in the Delta Quadrant. So, you know, why is there a Borg ship two years out from Federation space? Well, now we have the Enterprise episode that explains that, which is there was this signal that was sent. And even Archer says at the end of the episode, seems like we just delayed first contact to what? Uh, the 24th century, you know? And so it's just like, okay, so the Borg clearly received this signal. However garbled it would have been from, you know, traveling so far, but they they received it and they sent a ship. And it's just taken the ship all this time to to get there. And I mean, I've read so many different conspiratorial fan theories about it. And, you know, that's why the Enterprise is able to hold its own against the ship because it has been traveling for all these centuries and hasn't really had the chance for upgrades the way that the ships that Janeway later encounters in in the Delta Quadrant are and and that's why there's such a vast difference in technology from what we see of TNG's Borg versus uh, Voyager's Borg and I mean there's just so much there that um yeah I again would love to revisit and get into <laughs> all right it's not just the plot that gives me goosebumps it's the score um and the, and the way that they did the music and the way that they built the anticipation and the anxiety, because of course we, as the audience know exactly what's going on and we know how exactly how dangerous this enemy is. Archer Mm -hmm. has no idea. You know, he's sitting here trying to save these aliens and these people who have been assimilated and he doesn't give up on them until the last possible second. Uh, But that show doesn't, that particular episode, does such a great job that they used in it and just the way they unfolded that story yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely okay so i think that that'll just about cover us for 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 this go around uh all right do you, do you guys want to do do any uh little catchphrases because when when we do when i do my closing um i say you know until next time keep your shirts on <laughs> so unless you want to take that over jordan <laughs> um no i'm waiting to hear what you guys have <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. If you're talking about catchphrases, uh, I don't want to be, I have to think on that first before I can, uh, oh, well, I guess I would always go with my classic of, uh, don't be bitter, be better. All right. There you go. You know, live long and prosper to everyone who's listening. Um, and then, um, I, I guess my favorite catchphrase from any captain so far is from Freeman on lower decks. And she says, warp me. (laughs) (laughs) The Expanse. A Star Trek Enterprise podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Chris Hill, and Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NX01Podcast. You can find me on Twitter 
at the Chris Hill and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Hollis Suite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep your shirts on. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, <laughs> yeah. which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like... About, I don't know, I think it's like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. A little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. And it wouldn't surprise me in the sex cabin if the table's wonky, because the amount of times that oh. Kieran Tom's probably jumped on there, it's yeah, probably sticky. damaged it. Oh! <laughs> you know that table's sticky. Oh! Suzanne! It's in the sex cabin! It's is the table sticky. not just for pool balls? <laughs> it's a table not just for pool balls? No. <laughs> yeah, the the thing the scary thing is is you don't know for sure what that sticky is. Cuz <sighs> nobody's going to test it. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Computer, deactivate Hollow Suite.